This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all blow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. The entire town of Pahuta is tuned to Superstation 66. Please, this bus killing me! That was funny. But while dangerous Dan O'Dare is rocking the airwaves, a disc jockey from outer space is about to change the frequency to total terror. Offering a prize to any beautiful woman who's listening. Hey, whatever they're doing, it's intense. A one-way trip to another galaxy. It really sucks. Aliens are using my voice to aim the machinery. Oh my. God. Turn off your radios, people. They're doing it again. Bad channels. In space, no one is safe from rock and roll. Alright folks, welcome to Cinema Degeneration. This is a new show, Howling at the Full Moon, where we celebrate everything and everything Full Moon Productions, Full Moon Pictures, Empire related. Uh, for those of you who are, are not familiar with Full Moon Pictures, uh, you should be. You should know a little bit about what it means to be a Full Moon fan, or at least the history of Full Moon. Uh, after the collapse of his previous uh, film studio, unfortunately, Charles Band had to close down Empire Pictures and then founded uh, Full Moon Productions, whose end game was to create cult films, 
across many genres, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action, and they really hit the ground running. Uh, their first production out of the gate was Puppet Master, as benchmark series, which was now boasts a total of, um, I'm going to say, 13 sequels. Am I right, Dustin? Uh, you are correct. I, yes. I was actually uh, yes. taking a stab in the dark. I knew it was 13 or 14. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I should introduce my guest here. This is my good friend, Dustin Hubbard. He's a filmmaker and fan, but he is also a full moon enthusiast, are you not? I definitely am, yeah. I've been a, a full moon fanatic since day one. I was there the very first day when Puppet Master hit the VHS shelf at my local video store, and I grabbed it and was hooked ever since. So it was like a drug, but it was legal. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly about how I described it. There, there was like two classes of fans back in that day, and it seemed like either there was there was divided. You, either you were a trauma fan or a full moon fan, and I I, I always say that it's kind of like the Elvis uh, Beatles debate. You know, you can like both, <laughs> but you know, you're a certain kind of person, and I'm a full moon person. I, I love me some trauma, but. Yeah, Full Moon, it was kind of like a, a drug that was legal and you could buy over the counter. To this very day, I still see the the uh, trauma versus Full Moon fanaticism. So, it's a... I seen it firsthand at a convention about three or four years ago. I was at Cinema Wasteland in Ohio and Lloyd Kaufman was there with a trauma booth and Charles Band mm-hmm. was there with the Full Moon Roadshow. And there was uh, there wasn't much camaraderie of it between the the two of them, and yeah. uh, I remember that's when uh, Old Charlie was uh, promoting the full moon streaming for the first time, I believe, because mm-hmm. he convinced me. He didn't have to convince me. I'm just like, hand me that little iPad you got there. I'll sign right up. I'm like, how much yep. is it? It's worth it. Yep. Yeah. You know, but um, there's so many series, so many. I mean, so many films in the full moon library but they have so many franchises you got the puppet master which has you know 13 sequels and another one on the way blade that's coming out here soon uh subspecies also with you know four sequels you got trancers four sequels technically five maybe one day we'll talk something about about trancers part six the movie the the thing that is Transfers Part Six. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, know if you'll some, agree with me some, on that one. That's not really a movie, is it? Uh, you know that movie was. Uh, yeah, it's something. It's not. It's not what we deserved. I'll say that. So. No, it's not what we deserved. Transfers One Point Five. City of Angels was wasn't that what it was called? The the subtitle yeah. City of Angels was a yes. much better film. Infinitely better than <laughs> six brought to the table. So, and six, for the record, too, was even released as an unfinished product. It actually went to to press and uh, was authored and sent to retailers in an incomplete form. So, it could have made. I can been, see that. I can so. see that. That is not one of the the full moon movies I I hold in fond memory. There are a Same. few that I don't hold in, in fond memory, but quite a few I do. Which brings us uh, to the film we're going to be doing tonight, Bad Channels. It's uh, one of my favorites uh, when we were talking about which movie we were going to do. And for a first one, and I, it was down to either Subspecies 2 or this, I was kind of glad we did this because this is 
it's a weird movie. It's a goofy movie. And it's uh, first and foremost, it's a fun movie, I think. It is. And, yeah. it's, it's very different. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we'll get, get a little bit more into the, 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 the plot of it here in a bit. But uh, I want to ask you a little bit about Full Moon. And besides the fact that it's a drug that you can't uh, <laughs> that you can't get enough of, and mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a drug that's uh, how you how did you put it? Uh, you said that that's legal and over the counter. Um, <laughs> what what, is, what does it mean to you to be a full moon fan? I mean, what what is, what is it about it that that that, that draws you in? It has drawn you in from the beginning. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to to verbalize uh, when I saw puppet master for the first time i was always a kid who read the credits you know i wanted to know the people that were making the movies and i i to this day one of my favorite aspects of the film even as a producer when i'm you know seeing a movie through post i love credits i read credits <laughs> and i would i would memorize all the names and stuff and you know puppet master i saw it and it just it struck me it was something different and fun and weird and uh i just i i watched it over and over again and i remembered the name charles band and you know i would go back to the video store and find more movies with that name on it and you know that's how i found dolls and reanimator well i discovered i discovered you know uh full moon a little bit before i discovered empire i'd seen parasite but i hadn't seen a lot of the empire pictures so it was by discovering puppet master and going okay i want to i want to know who again reading the credits i am very much that sort of guy you know i'm i want to know who did the music i want to know who was the cinematographer i want to know all that stuff but you know reading the names i'm like all right charles band i keep seeing that name come up you know as as a kid you know i was like 12 years old i think or 11 years old when i first saw puppet master so it was then started the process of seeking out okay what else did he do oh he did this he was associated with this oh reanimator oh parasite like okay i can get into this but uh what got me what drew me in was the the video zones i sure i loved i when i when the full moon logo would come up and you'd hear that music i is this something about it it sets the tone is this like you, you set you sit back you have your favorite beverage now as an adult, you know, maybe an adult beverage, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, sit back, something to drink, popcorn, and it's just like, you know what kind of good time you're going to have. And, and you know, when they started doing the video zones, I think that's one of the first things that made me want to be a filmmaker, was seeing those behind-the-scenes clips and the interviews and having, and seeing how excited Charlie was, or Charles was, you know, in introducing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And seeing his excitement for it is like, you know... It made me believe that I could do it, and here we are, you know, decades later. I'm in my 40s, and and despite a quarantine, still a filmmaker. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some about the video zones that that was what got me. I think that was uh, the films themselves. I mean, obviously, but uh, the whole idea of the video zones were were just was a remarkable concept. Yeah, the I think you know, and with the video zone, something that you got to one of one of my favorite parts of every video zone too was you know band always opened them himself and you you knew who the face of full moon was you know and he was enthusiastic he was proud of everything they were doing and he was you know rearing to tell you everything that was on on the slate and you know they 
you know, I would always wait because you never knew what little drop he was going to be like, oh, you know, and they'd show you some, you know, quick little uh, image, you know, you know, artwork image from some sequel. You didn't know what's going to happen because you didn't have the Internet, you know, so it was like watching a video zone was right. It was like a fun experience. And then after you got to, you know, sit with Charlie for a few, then you got to see how the movie was made. And then you see some sweet coming attractions and then they, you know, show you little bumpers for tons of merchandise that you know you felt like you needed because charlie spradling was telling you you needed it and uh you know it was just uh oh charlie spradling one of my first crushes thank you full moon thank you you know charlie was also a gift from full moon so (laughs) yeah yes he was you know and i have to say in meeting him i know you probably have met him a hell of a lot uh more times than i have i had one experience with them and it was meeting him and talking with him for about 10 minutes. But for that 10 minutes, I was that 12, 13 year old kid again. It, oh, you no know, I, I was just with a bigger kid. Charlie yeah. Band is just a, a big kid. And, you know, getting to see the Full Moon Roadshow was an experience. Now, again, we're, we, we're, we're here for bad channels, but we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to digress even further. But I wanted to talk a little bit about your history with Full Moon. You've actually uh, went from Uber fan to working with Full Moon a few times. What can you uh, tell I, us about that? Yeah, I've had uh, very low level stuff, but I've I've had some producing credits on a couple of their films, like The Dead Want Women and Evil Long Six 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 Trophy Heads, that kind of thing. Uh, you know. I, I would love for it to get bigger, though. I would love to actually uh, get on some of them sets firsthand. <laughs> oh, that'd be the dream, wouldn't it? Yeah, just, definitely. Just, just once. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It's I. You know what? If, if once was all I could have, I'd take it. So. Yeah. I would do it for no money. I, I would do it to be like, listen, like I, I, I'm, I'm fed and I'm sleeping somewhere. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I'd do it just for the experience alone. I. You know, I'll tell you a, a quick, tiny little story. Once upon a time, back in maybe 95-ish, I got an email from the website, and it was something to the effect of saying, you know, we've done a compilation of costs spent by all fan club members on the websites, and we've made a list of the people who've spent the most money buying merch, and we wanted to extend an offer to all of those specific people to um, be crew people on our upcoming film, which was Evil Bong. And oh, I wanted the, the to first do it, one? The very first one, yep. So it was about 95 okay. or 05-ish, uh, I believe. And I wanted to do it really bad, but I uh, it was pre-any film work for me, and I was not <laughs> in a position financially to be able to invest flying out to L.A. and putting myself up and you know not having any connections out there or anything at the time. So to go right. out there and basically be a, a PA grunt on the first Evil Bong, but I like to think in a parallel dimension I did it. There you go. <laughs> but still, you know, you got the you you went from Uber fan, you got to you know even to, to dabble a little bit, you know, dip your toe into the pool. You know, never say never. That's speaking true. Of, speaking of never say never, let's get let's get down to it. Bad channels, nineteen ninety two. Oh, gosh, I I remember this being the first full moon movie that I ordered any merch from. 
Uh, <laughs> the, the first one I ordered anything that was besides a poster or uh, an actual physical movie because I was always an avid poster collector. But mm -hmm. I bought the soundtrack on audio cassette. And yeah. I still have it somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. It's in a box in storage somewhere. Mm -hmm. But that that soundtrack by Blue Oyster Cult, that's what I liked. And, you know, they had people from Blue Oyster Cult. They had people from Alice Cooper. And, and then they even have, at one point, they, uh, Full Moon had Quiet Riot or Iron Maiden do a soundtrack to one of their films. They, um, they did actually have... Uh, at the time, a sort of revamped version of Quiet Riot did the soundtrack for Dollman versus Demonic Toys, which was essentially a you know a pseudo sequel to Bad Channels. So, yeah, actually, I made I got a whole page and a half of notes here, and I even made <laughs> a, a note about uh, Dollman versus Two spiritual sequel. Yeah, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that uh, at one point because there's there's something that ha that has to do with the character in that movie that. I don't necessarily have a problem with, but I have a problem with. <laughs> I can already but, sense it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, let's just say it has something to do with continuity but yep. or, or lack thereof. But anyway, um, we're at uh, KDUL, at the, which a radio station, new radio station with this new, you know, uh, disc jockey that runs the station at 666, 666 kilohertz. I made a note of that. I was like, I, I don't know that I ever caught that before. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I did, I certainly didn't remember it. I'm like, yep. that was one of my notes. I'm like, oh, 666, clever. But, uh, <laughs> but KDUL, they're in Pahuda, where they're at, the fictional town of Pahuda. And one of the first people you, you, you see that you see in one of these movies and God, I love them. I would love to work with them. Uh, I would cast them in anything is uh, Sonny Carl Davis. I love seeing that man in anything. I've, I've heard him describe as the poor man's Reggie Bannister, but he is <laughs> so much more than that. He yeah. he's full moon royalty. Wouldn't you agree? He is Sonny Carl Davis is definitely one of the mainstays from the beginning and he's still working with him to this very day he's one of you know uh one of the people who's been in the most full moon movies over anyone else you know in in the history of the company it has to be so several i mean it has to be a couple of dozen by now i would imagine even if you count some of the uh you know the the early empire stuff like terror yeah. and whatnot yeah i truthfully i would estimate he's probably been in about like 15-ish, give or take. Might not sound yeah, like a I figured it was a dozen or two. <laughs> but, I mean, you got to consider he's been in all seven evil bongs alone, plus it's versus spinoff. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Films, so. <laughs> what, what are they up to in evil bongs? Seven? Eight now? Uh, seven, technically eight if you count the versus film, which took place chronologically fourth. So, yeah. Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, he plays Peanut, a guy who runs a little diner, which uh, our resident screen queen royalty, uh, Charlie Spradling, plays uh, a waitress named Cookie, who is just the most adorable thing that's ever walked on two legs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we got this character of Dangerous Dan O'Dare, this goofy bastard who's somewhat likable, but not really likable. He's the new DJ at this place at this new uh, radio station and he's running a uh 
I want to call it a like, promotion where he's t- he's tied up here, he's chained up, and whoever can guess the combination and get him out of these chains will win a new car. Well, in <laughs> walks Martha Quinn, MTV VJ extraordinaire. Yes, that Martha Quinn. Uh, which that was did that not surprise the hell out of you that she did this at the time she did? It was a very strange career choice, I thought. Yeah, but she was she was a good actress, and I thought she was actually she was really good funny in the movie as Lisa Cummings. Uh, she, great comic timing. She looks good on camera, you know. And I'm sure VJing was you know in a, in and of itself basically already a form of acting and kind of loose improv for the camera. So basically already an actor so she was she was very good actually she's actually one oh, yeah, of the she was good at it but performers so oh yeah she's really good it just was to me just strange casting I, I i actually had no idea when i was a kid you know being of the mtv age at 12 yep. 13 you know had no idea she was going to be in it it was a nice uh, surprise but um there's there's always a problem afoot there's always a situation that's going on while the 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 radio station gig is going on and lisa cummings is interviewing dan o'dare aliens land or more specifically a alien lands and just i guess the correct term would be he just starts vaporizing the shit out of people he just vaporizes people and uh you know the alien itself reminds me a little bit of the movie terror vision and uh, in, in the television alien, which would make sense because Ted Nicolau, you know, uh, another uh, full moon staple, a director extraordinaire of uh, television uh, subspecies, all the all four subspecies films in the fifth one coming out. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, that's uh, Sonny Carl Davis, another alumni from that movie. But it, it, it was to me, it was a, it seemed to me like Bad Channels was almost like a spiritual sequel to Terror Vision. I mean, it, it had a lot of the yeah. same kind of kookiness and wackiness to it. So I, I didn't know if that was completely intended or it was just by default because of the people that were involved. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's actually it is an interesting parallel now that you bring it up, because whereas Terror Vision is kind of, an, you know, a strange approach to, you know, uh, cable tv the the big cable tv uh culture that was really burgeoning in the mid 80s this oh was yeah when everybody like, got a dish oh yeah everyone had a huge like preposterously large <laughs> satellite dish sitting in their backyard <laughs> and uh, and you know bad channels was kind of the product of like a, the mtv era of like music and all that stuff so yeah it is kind of actually an interesting flip side to you know the scary side of uh kind of entertainment i guess (laughs) yeah that's uh, you know i i I noticed that more like of course a lot of that was lost on me as as a kid but i found that you know the kind of the subtext of it i'm like i think this might have been what they were going for but then again who knows it might have just been a a happy accident you know and and the funny thing is and every time i I keep going back to sonny carl davis every time he pops up in this i want to call him (laughs) rabbit yeah and, and, and his name is peanut but for those of you who, who don't know, who may be new to the full moon thing and you're coming here, uh, the Sonny Carl Davis plays a character called Rabbit in the Evil Dong, Evil, Evil Dong series. <laughs> yeah, the Evil Dong series. That, that might be their next series, but the Evil Bong yeah. series. But uh, it's not that far from the realm of possibility that Charles Band can make a series called Evil Dong. 
And let's let's not forget that Rabbit himself actually originated in Trancers 2. So that character actually That's existed right. pre-Evil Bong. He actually worked in E.D. Wardo's facility, the lead villain played That's by right. He, uh, he was Rabbit. He was Rabbit in Trancers 2, wasn't he? That was him. He was. <laughs> God, not, see, now I'm going to have to go back and watch that. It's been a, been a couple of years. Continuity, it makes no sense, considering that, spoiler alert, he dies in Trancers yeah. 2, uh, and he gets progressively older and older with the Evil Bong series, but, you know, yeah, he's he's the same. Right, guy. right. So, yeah, you know, there is some of the same dialogue, too, as well, so. <laughs> as much as I love the Full Moon movies, they are not huge on uh, continuity. What's that? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even, as a filmmaker, I don't even know what that is. If, if there's any continuity, uh, any kind of progression that way in, in one of my films and it doesn't get fucked up, that was purely by accident. Yep. I think the only series you could really attribute quality continuity to is maybe subspecies. So, you know, yeah, yeah, true. Everything else, it's kind of a free flowing. Um, right, right. Very, very lucid. Yep. I think um, uh, Charles learned that from his years in Rome. The the Italian filmmakers had that very lucid way of t- storytelling. Yep. It's just like, hey, it works. Yep. Real flippant about it. It's like, ah, this will this will do just fine. We'll do this, and I'm like, oh, well, it doesn't really match this. And eh, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna care if, if so they awesome. do. If they do, they might talk about it on a podcast 30 years from now, but if they really, really notice it when they're first watching it, then we've yep. done something wrong. Yeah, and if they're still talking about it 30 years later, they obviously did something right, so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, well, then we should get into the meat and potatoes of the film of why are the aliens here, or why is the alien here, which is a really weird question because the alien doesn't talk. It makes a bunch of noises, it grunts and groans, it makes all sorts of noises, but it doesn't speak. And there's no rhyme or rhythm to anything it says or any noises that it makes. There's no subtitles, so its motives are never 100% clear. You don't know, at least in the beginning, until you get uh, Dangerous Dan O'Dare actually starts figuring things out. Uh, it's almost like um, like Mars needed women. The The... The alien is there to collect beautiful women, but he uses a fungus to subdue people while at the same time using the the fungus to take over everything. The alien is using its special powers through the radio station, through the connection that the radio station has to its listeners to hone in on their like frequency, I guess, since it's never really... 100% explained, but he hones in on these beautiful women's frequencies and he zaps them. He kind of does a Star Trek uh, beam me up Scotty kind of moment and he transfers them into uh, a, a, well, if he's not vaporizing people, he he, he makes the girls dance. That's, it's, it's really hard to explain. <laughs> Again, very lucid storytelling. You know, and, and since the alien doesn't explain itself and there's no exposition really in explaining it, the the alien uses his special powers of the fungus through radio waves to make the girls hallucinate to think that they're dancing in rock and roll videos. 
-hmm. like, you know, rock bands like Blue Oyster Cult and whatnot start showing up and start playing in a hospital and they zap and get Nurse Ginger. They start playing in the restaurant where that peanut runs. And what do they do? They zap and take cookie. And uh, the third girl, I, um, I forgot her name, Bunny. Uh, Bunny. Bunny, yes. And they, they zap her from band practice. But, you know, in each sequence, there's this long music video sequence where the girls are dancing and thinking that that there's, you know, a rock band playing like it's a Jackal video or an ACDC video or something. Boom, they get zapped, they disappear, and they get put into an I little... I dream of genie little size glass holding chambers and <laughs> and to be collected, I guess. I mean, am, am I right? I mean, am, am yeah, I missing I, something here? My, Was there something that I missed in subtext or in exposition? <laughs> you know, like like you said, it's never really fully explained. My My understanding over the years has just been that he was basically like a collector. He was actually collecting the women like pets to take home to him to his home world and keep like i guess you might have like you know dogs or cats <laughs> and he would show up and just collect up some earth women and take them home so yeah i i, I can't help but think that uh they were a little bit influenced by the movie mars needed women just a little bit it it, it kind of had that mode it was like you know what it was terror vision meets mars needed women that's what it really was yeah. That's what Bad yeah. Chance was. With a kick and rock and roll sound, soundtrack. It was the kind That's of music awesome. I listened to back in those days. I, <laughs> that kind of music doesn't really even exist anymore. That old kind of no. late 80s, early 90s rock. Yeah, and, it really doesn't. No, you know, at le le least no new music is being made like that. And maybe it's a good thing. I don't know, but maybe it's a bad thing. I, I kind of <laughs> miss it. I, 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 I'm not afraid to admit that. But let's also uh talk a little bit about dangerous dan o'dare uh i forget the actor's name who again i'm not going to cheat and look if i can't remember from memory I'm, if I, I didn't write it down in notes then paul hip paul hip, hip. Ah, <laughs> see i wouldn't remember that i wouldn't remember he, he is good as dan o'dare i found i found him to be goofy and he's like you know kind of an asshole but kind of likable now you yeah. kind of get what he's doing although you know he, He's 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 kind of a smarmy bastard. Yeah, he's like a lovable prick. <laughs> right. You hate he's him. Kind but he's kind of just, like you know, like every he's got that charm that you still you, are like. Ah, oh, well, yeah, no, I guess you know. <laughs> you let him slide. Yeah. You let him slide. It's just like oh, it's it's just Dan. Yeah, you know, it's just it's what just, he does. That's just what he is. It's it's part of the act. It's part of the shtick. You know. Maybe it's a little little put on. Maybe a little bit of it's still real, but like you know, he's. I think over the course of the movie too, you see right. he, he does part. It's he's not a, a full on asshole, but he he gives off the no, vibe. No, no, he's just a little bit of a smarmy bastard. Smarmy, yeah, smarmy prick. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he he does have he does uh, make a character arc. You know, he does kind of realize the error of his ways, but. By the time he does, he's already trapped in the, the radio station with the alien. The alien is using the the radio station as its base, as it's collecting these women. And there's even a funny part in the hospital, which I, I made a, a note about this. Again, something I never noticed when I watched it back in the day when they're following the Nurse Ginger character around, around and she's going from the operating room out into the hallway. There's yeah. a sound blip where they do a Dr. Howard. Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, 
and I oh, yeah. I had to rewind it, and I'm just like, yep, they totally just did a Three Stooges, which yep. I appreciate. I'm a Stooges <laughs> fan. <laughs> Got to watch for them Easter eggs. And I tried looking up some uh, bits and pieces about this. There's not much on IMDb. There's not much on Wikipedia. There's not much online about it, which is a shame because I feel like it's one of the lesser talked about full moon films. You know, I'm guilty of talking yeah. about transers and, and subspecies, which is my personal favorite. Yeah. But, you know, Bad Channels is one of those good, even though it had a kind of a, a, a pseudo sequel with uh, Dollman versus Demonic Toys and whatnot. It, you know, never had an official sequel. Mm. And in the, even, you know, the just a sequel with one, one of the characters, the aliens never really come back. It's never, it just felt like it was an idea that could have been more fully explored. Yeah, one of many pilot movies for Full Moon that was, you know, a, an interesting jumping off point that had, probably had some ideas planned because band has often said that every movie is basically like a pilot for them. You know, if it hits, then they'll make more. And they just didn't really go anywhere with it other than kind of, you know, offshooting the one, the one character into the versus movie. So... Yeah, and do you think we should finally talk about that? We're we're getting down to the the, the end of the film, uh, the end of the of things. Um, okay, they they managed to to take four girls or three girls, and then four four girls. Well, no, four people at first. We we should actually mention that the alien has a sidekick, a a a robot with an exposed brain in this dome full of fluid that's helping it like sync up i guess the the beaming yeah. device to being the girls in his name is lump 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 oh that's his, great and his, and his i didn't know that cosmo cosmo and lump. <laughs> so. lump that's great i didn't know his name was lump but that's wonderful <laughs> but lump uh and ends up uh Quite frankly, he ends up fucking up. He messes up, uh, something messes up with the beaming process, and he beams in, instead of beaming in uh, Martha Quinn's character, Lisa Cummings, he beams in Bunny's boyfriend. And the alien gets mad. He gets pissed off, and he basically, he uh, destroys his robot buddy. He just bonks him in the head, and he fucking wastes him for accidentally beaming in a guy instead of a, of a woman but uh he got fired from the fucking universe <laughs> like, yeah he didn't just get fired from his job he got fired from the fucking universe he got he fired, got fired from in the from most the ultimate universe <laughs> right just watched hideous again and that's actually a line one of the characters says she's like you're fired you're fired from my the job you're fired from the fucking planet you're fired from the fucking universe <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Uh, that's a great line. But uh, what are we left with? We were left yeah, with Cookie, got the, yeah. Bunny, and Lisa and Nurse Ginger are all, all uh, uh, at that point uh, after the after Robot Buddy gets wasted. So Cookie is abducted, Bunny is abducted, Lisa Cummings is abducted, and Nurse Ginger is abducted. And what do they find that saves the day, at least for a minute? And I especially think in this day, in this present day and present climate that we're in, I think this is funny and relevant. But Lysol, <laughs> yeah. generic Lysol saves yep. the day. 
cheap germicide stuff to yeah. like kill yeah, germs like, and fungus. Exactly. Well, I paused it at that point when I was rewatching it here recently. I was just like, I just had to take a break and just have a good solid laugh because ironic <laughs> yeah yeah i was like this is so ironic yeah. i mean let's face it the, the there's two items that saved the day a, a box of a, a big a box full of you know lysol cans and a box cutter that's what he that's what dangerous dan uh defeats the alien with the most basic earth tools possible <laughs> right right you know, not 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 a not a big knife, not a sword, not a hatchet, not a, not even an axe. Hell, not even a chainsaw. Just a simple box cutter, which only had like one a little itty bitty blade on it. Like it had like one little click left yeah. on it. Yeah, there's not even much blade on it. So. <laughs> but you know, there's so many weird things in this movie. There's the alien that doesn't speak. That's covering everything in this fungus. There's the uh, robot lump. You know, with with his brain just floating around in that fluid and whatnot you got the fungus that likes to dance that yeah they're the fungus that covers people in these pods and cocoons them it it kind of separates itself and pulls like a john carpenter's the thing and becomes his own separate entity but when it hears rock music it dances and boogies and it's <laughs> i I, st I still don't get that part it's wacky it, it's 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 crazy shit but it's so much fun and the whole time the cops are, are fucking useless because they think everything is a hoax. They think, you know, Dangerous Dan with his reputation of being a shock DJ is just lying about all this. So, you know, essentially, you know, Lisa Cummings, the TV reporter, and Dangerous Dan are essentially on their own. And knowing, and knowing that these aliens are here, even though everybody is seeing shit everywhere, but the cops don't believe anybody. But by the end... The only thing that the big uh, catastrophe for the man who owns a radio station is that dangerous Dan says fuck on the air. <laughs> and when he just yells at the F word, I'm ruined. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just great. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not really a horror movie. It's not really a science fiction film and it's not really a comedy. It's a really good hybrid of all three. It, it's, yeah. it, you know what I mean? It's got the, the, the fungus that grows on everything and everybody. So you kind of get a lonesome Jody Verrill creep show kind of vibe. You got the alien invasion angle. You got the obvious one liners and comedy. It's this a really well-rounded film. But I think uh, when the alien is finally revealed, because he's, you know, this big, it's got this big bulbous head and this, you know, this space suit. But when it busts out of the spacesuit, you realize that there's another alien, like in, I guess you could say, inside him. And this thing looks yeah. like a snake fucked Audrey 2 from Little <laughs> Shop of Horrors. I, I'm not kidding. It looked like Audrey 2 and the snake from Conan the Barbarian had an orgy and this was his offspring. It was the creepiest <laughs> thing. They didn't really utilize it. I wish they would have utilized it for a little bit more of a fight scene. Yeah, yeah. There's not much other than some quick batting at it and <laughs> with with some stuff, and then just spraying it with the the fungicide stuff uh, before it right, right, yeah. gets very easily defeated. <laughs> it's a little anticlimactic at the end. It's a little yeah. anticlimactic. Yeah, I always thought too that the 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 revealed creature because I always kind of assumed that you know maybe what we saw through the movie as Cosmo was sort of like his 
space suit, I guess, maybe. And then when it got breached, you know, it, it popped off and that's what was kind of on the inside. And it kind of looked plantish to me, too, in a way, kind of like, you know, Audrey, too, it was a plant, though, too. So um, I always right. think that the fungus stuff was probably, you know, part of him, maybe. Kind of like, you know, it was an extension of him because he looks he looks very uh, uh, plant based to me. Yeah, he, he looks very kind of like monster, very fungusy, very mossy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought he, he kind of, like and kind of looked like a cross between like uh, the thing that in Creepshow. He, yep. he looks like uh, Lonesome Jordy Verrill in uh, yeah. that segment with Stephen King. Yeah. It's like a little it, bit like that and a little bit the alien from Terror Vision. Yeah, because it's in a lot of his shape, too. He looks like, you know, with the, the arms and the long neck and stuff, he looks kind of like like plant stems and stuff. Yes. So, so. But yeah, I thought there was almost a little bit of uh, John Carpenter's The Thing in there where, you know, like the fungus was sentient. And was part mm-hmm. of it and was aware. And again, you know, another thing that I thought would have been uh, better explored, you know, in a, in a sequel, you know, maybe even possibly at the uh, alien planet or something. But we can still hold out hope. I mean, they brought back every other uh, series from Oblivion. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right. Now, yeah. let's get into s- sequels, spiritual sequels and the ending of this film. At the very end of the film, everybody is saved. Everybody has been being back to normal size because everybody's been, you know, was shrunk down to like 12 inches tall in these little glass uh, canisters that they were being held in. But Cookie is safe. Lisa Cummings is safe. Nurse Ginger is safe. But Bunny was left behind. And in the last shots of the movie, before we cut to the end credits, she's, you know, calling for help. And everybody realizes, oh, Bunny's still left in there. Boom, it cuts the credits. It's the end of the film. Uh, well, not so much the end of the film. There's a bonus scene at the end, which was, uh, I, 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 this is the, one of the movies that made me learn to always wait to the end of the movie for a post credit scene. Yep. Because long before the days that Marvel ever thought about doing some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but who, I'll, I'll let you do this one. Who do we get? What, 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 do we, what, what gem are we given at the end of this film? So, you know, what we're basically treated to is a fantastic uh, cameo by the legendary Tim Thomerson of Trancers fame, uh, reprising his role as Dollman Cop Brick Bardo. And he is basically what seems like trying to hitchhike his way through the desert to get to Pahuda. And he basically, you get a basic voice over him of him saying you know that it's a tough world when you're only a foot tall but you know kind of like this nurse ginger who got shrunk by aliens and he basically tells you that you know oh, maybe she'll enjoy a visit from doll man and then you get yep. a little bumper saying you know watch for the further adventures of doll man coming soon from full moon entertainment and you know about a year later we got that adventure so yep we got that adventure in the form of another a sequel to three films at one time, Dollman versus Demonic Toys, in which this is the 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 part that is weird, but it's a sequel to Doll. It's a sequel to obviously Demonic Toys because it's in the title, but it's a sequel to Bad Channels because Bunny appears. Oh wait, no, it's not Bunny because Bunny was the one that was left at the end of Bad Channels last I looked, but they do a switcheroo where they change the ending up. 
And instead of Bunny being uh, locked away in her little glass case, it's Nurse Ginger. And yep. Nurse Ginger is the sole survivor of, not sole survivor, but the sole uh, person who is still left uh, shrunken. Yep. And they never explain that. And, and you know, really. Hilariously dubbed moment too when you know the the goofy guys like so poorly dubbed and he's like where's Ginger <laughs> it's like yeah it doesn't match at all I'm like no okay, no not at what, all that's what we're doing here <laughs> and the thing is once you're about two more minutes past that you don't care anymore because mm-hmm. the movie is just so fun you you don't yeah. the older I get the more it just sticks in my craw and I can't. I can't, yeah. I can't and, get past you know, it. It just I, I have never to this day, I mean, bad channels came out twenty-eight years ago at this point, and I have never heard or read anything for the most part, you know, or if I did, I don't remember. I've never really heard it addressed the uh the idea of why they brought back uh Nurse Ginger over Bunny. I assume it was maybe uh just a matter of they were able to, you know, get get Melissa Bear back instead of uh, Daryl Strauss that played Bunny. <laughs> so they were just yeah. like, okay, we'll just we'll flip the script and it's Ginger instead. And I think I think for the pseudo-sequel for me, I love Dollman versus Demonic Toys. It's not a, it's not a great film. That's oh, I do other, too. It's a, that's a whole other discussion, and I mean, it's mostly stock oh, footage. we'll cover but, it. We'll cover it. But, um, but I, lo- I love it, and I think that Ginger was a a wiser choice in the long run because I think Melissa Bear, I think, you know, no, no offense to the other actress. I think they were able to do a lot more with Ginger's character too. Well, so she's a bit spunkier. Uh, Melissa Bear is, is a much better actress uh, yes. than the girl who played uh, Bunny. I, I found the Bunny character to be somewhat annoying. And, you know, she's maybe a very, she's a very one note character too. She's a very, because let's let's be honest, Bad Channels is great, but it has a lot of uh, very uh, stereotype caricature. Uh, side oh, every characters. every character is a stereotype. And, I mean, if the, you know, if it's not an airhead like Ginger, you know, or, or not like Bunny, an airhead like Bunny, or like you know, the the truck stop kind of hoey character, the, like Cookie yeah, York, the truck stop bluesy, or the, the really. Hilarious, like Russian stereotype of you know Katrinka Shinkalova. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? it's the extremely racist, stereotypical yeah. uh, Cold War Russian, uh, yeah. uh, or the very Bryant ripoff. Uh, oh flip- yeah, the the so. first thing I thought when I saw uh, that character, the Bryant Gumble like character, my mm-hmm. first thought was. That guy looks like he was on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So I went and looked. That's one of the only things he's done besides bad channels. He's did he had done a handful of things, and uh-huh. yeah, I forgot I his name. I, I I did a little bit of studying, and I'm just like, oh shit! I'm like, really? Like the, he did a handful of things, and that was um that was yeah, one of the. Only- I don't even ha- know how to pronounce that guy's real name, so I'm not even going to try. I didn't even I didn't know he ever did anything else beyond bad channels. Well, though. He played the character he plays is called Flip Humble, so we'll just call him Flip. But yeah, yeah I can't pronounce his name either, and I, I I'd, I'd rather not try to. Yeah. I mean, Romel. That I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's right. But I, you know, when I was looking it up and I was I was watching, I'm like, oh, what has this guy done? And what has this, you know, person done? And mm. like he did, Prince Fresh Prince of Bel Air. 
he did some documentary and bad channels and that was it. Yep. So, you know, that, it, but still, he's a very Bryant Gumble character. Every character in this movie is extremely, uh, is an extreme stereotype. Even yep. Sonny Carl Davis is his playing, yep. you know, his, his usual goofy redneck self, you know. Yep. Greasy truck stop dude, like the overweight comic relief sidekick. Yeah, the, always wearing a greasy yeah. shirt, and, you know, wiping his <laughs> hands on his shirt and, you know, this doing everything super, but spit and chaw. Yeah, the super cliche Asian dude that is, uh, um, I believe his name was Moon. He was uh, Hurt Lisa's cameraman that disappears in the beginning that yep. gets vaporized. Yeah, yep. So. Well, you, then, you know, you got the, the always the overweight guy, the drunk stoner type that's the the guy who's delivering food he's one of the i think the isn't he the first one that gets vaporized yep but uh but still it's part of 1992 and what made films like this you know it had that allure to him you knew what you were in for like i said the, the moment the full moon logo would come up you'd hear that music swell you just know what you're in for and yep. you know there's one thing you know is every full moon movie great no not every full moon movie is great but there's something great in every full moon movie yep it's a way i describe it and uh well let's let's uh sum up our ratings here i, I like to rate my uh movies on a scale from one to ten i usually offer my uh guests uh, the chance to give their final review and rating first so go ahead final bad channels review and rating on a scale from one to ten you know bad channels is personally one of my favorite former movies there is out there i think it's one of the more underappreciated and like you said kind of forgotten ones uh there's so many great comic elements in it it's got a really solid ensemble cast uh of new faces and veteran faces uh clearly it was a product that at the time was 99 percent chance probably made to sell cds and really promote the moonstone records label but they have a, they had a really strong director with ted nicolau who really doesn't not deliver ever you know he's a he is a powerful very skilled director and he makes damn good movies, you know, and uh, I think it's I think it's an overall really fun, very rewatchable movie. It doesn't have a lot of the, you know, full moon. You think of full moon and you think of like little creature movies and stuff because Charles Band loves like, you know, little monsters and stuff. And you don't really get that too much beyond right. in this. But there's enough of the weird sensibility and a and the kooky very off the wall plot that still make it very full moon. Uh, I love it personally. I, uh, our scale was one to 10. I honestly, for me, I give it like a nine. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's great. It has endless rewatchability and it's just as funny to me today as it was 28 years ago when it came out. You know, I agree with you, uh, in revisiting this, having not seen it in probably, I'm going to guess anywhere between 18, 19, 20 years since the last time I seen it. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, I loved revisiting it. It was a lot more fun than I even I remembered it. Um, I love the, the soundtrack, like you said, and it's funny that, you know, you said it was uh, made to sell soundtracks and it sold me my first full moon soundtrack. So yep. it worked. Uh, <laughs> I love the Blue Oyster Cult music. Um, 
I like seeing Martha Quinn in there. The Sonny Carl Davis. It's got the great cast. It's got, it's it's a it's a who's who of full moon films. It, you know, yeah. it's got Charlie Spradling, who was you know in several full moon movies. Ted Nicolau directed it. He directed several full moon movies. Sonny Carl Davis. I mean, it's and even our resident cameo by uh, Tim Thomerson, who is the full moon legend. He is the man, and seeing him at the end made me even more excited i was waiting for the that cameo at the end credits because i was remembering that it was there and i'm like i'm gonna watch this and then i'm gonna watch the damn video zone (laughs) but uh yeah it's great it's got a little everything that i love it's got humor it's got chills it's got thrills it's got a little bit of everything it's got laughs it's one of my favorites uh i was really happy when we came to this conclusion of doing this film first for uh, our first episode of Howling at the Full Moon show. Um, I'm coming in just slightly lower than you. I'm coming in at an 8.5, but it's, it's right up there with, for, for me. You know, it's uh, it's one of my favorites. It's, if I actually had to make a list, it would probably be somewhere in the top 10, I'd have to admit. But Easily top five for me. I, I got to ask you before we sign off here, favorite full moon film versus favorite full moon franchise. Uh, my favorite full moon film of all time uh, is something similar to uh, bad channels. It's a movie that uh, was a one-off that should have been a franchise. And uh, I feel like it is generally commonly overlooked by today's audiences. And that is arcade. Uh, with Megan Ward, another, you know, actress who was pretty much, you know, early 90s full moon royalty trying to fight a, you know, ghost in the machine video game that was stealing all of her friends. Uh, It's a movie I saw. A lot of the themes and the lead character played by her, Alex, uh, a lot of her plight and family scenario really uh, touched an emotional chord with me. And it was a movie that mm-hmm. really, to this day, I still, it connects to me. I've seen it more times than I can count. Uh, I show it to everyone I can. Uh, I think it's a, it's a movie that has a lot, a lot of production issues, but the movie that came out of it uh, helped make me the movie fan that I am today, and it helped get me. Um, mentally, emotionally, and professionally to the point I am today where I'm doing uh, the producing work that I do do. It's hard to put into words, but that is my go-to movie. You're running a petition right now for Full Moon to produce a Blu-ray of Arcade, am I right? Is that still going on? Correct. I remember signing it. Yes, me and uh, a good friend of mine, Jacob Dresler, we started a uh, change, change, you know, .org uh, petition to get Arcade on Blu-ray. Uh, there's been obviously Arcade, much like Bad Channels, still hasn't actually been remastered and put on a higher form than DVD. Uh, Bad Channels would be easy because it was all shot on 35 millimeter. Uh, arcade is a different matter, whereas a lot of the elements were not actually put shot on 35 millimeters. So a lot of the film 
would not be able to be restored in the same fashion and it would take a lot more work and oh. a lot more money to do it because uh, a lot of things might have to be recreated for an upgrade uh, and it has been quoted that arcade would never see blu-ray uh, by higher ups uh -huh. that it would never get an upgrade uh, which which cuts me deep personally because if any movie deserves an upgrade and really could tackle the blu-ray format as far as content and behind the scenes and backstory it's arcade has such a rich backstory that really should be told uh, and i know that i know many people from that movie that would have stories to tell so i'm pushing uh, it's it's an uphill battle though so you know if you find me on facebook i've i'm constantly sharing the link uh click it sign it and you know let charlie band and film know that we want arcade on blu-ray because it is a movie uh, that definitely matters to me and i know it has to matter to some other people well it matters to me too it's one of my uh favorite full moon movies it's actually one of my favorite albert pewin movies uh you know yeah. uh he directed a couple films for uh, Full Moon, and he's one of my favorite directors. I love Albert, yeah. but um, it deserves it. It deserves an upgrade, and hopefully, uh, our voices will be heard on that one. But uh, real quick, before we get out of here, favorite Full Moon franchise? You know, there's a lot of no-brainers, but for me, if I had to pick a favorite Full Moon franchise, I've never really thought about it per se. But if I had to pick a favorite franchise, it's the obvious one. Um, it's Puppet Master. It was the it was Ground Zero, and there's such a such a wealth of content and installments, and you know, it's just it's been all over the place. <laughs> so uh, to the point where there's there's so much content. You know, when the the Cinestate reboot came out with Les Reich, you know, you had fans being like, "Oh, aren't aren't you mad because Toulon's going to be a Nazi in this one?" And I'm like. Eh, you know, continuity was never really, you know, an over-focus of Puppet Master in the first place. It's kind of just like a, you know, let's try this this time, let's do this that time kind of thing. So I'm like, it's just trying something completely different, and we'll see what we get. You know, it's like literally every movie is a completely <laughs> random, different, fun thing. Might not always connect, but they're always endless fun, and there's a ton of characters uh, yeah, you know, and puppets and stuff that I love in it. Lots of human villains, right. bad bad masters, and good masters that are all pretty cool. <laughs> and there's just such a wealth of content. There's so much story in now, 50 um, different directions. I've got to ask. I've got to ask one thing because you did mention uh, Puppet Master Littlest Reich. Um, <laughs> I have not seen it yet. Would you recommend that I do? Uh I would, I would definitely. It's got, it's got a very strong cast. It's got a, a literal who's who of you know like Indian B movie actors, uh, and it's got a lot I of creatures in it. It's got tons of puppets. Um, a lot of them look different. You know, if you if you're a purist, you you know you might not like a lot of things about it. Uh, but you know, go in if you can if you can view it with the set of eyes I did, where I'm like, eh, well, we've already done and seen so many different random things, and you can just kind of take it as its own separate thing. Because sometimes, like if you look at like Curse of the Puppet Master or some you know stuff like that, they don't always really or like fit retro in. Puppet Master. Yeah, they don't even really fit into any real 
proper continuity anyway. It's like sometimes they just feel like standalone one-offs and that's basically what it feels like to me. So if you can take it with that type of approach, I think you'll like it. It's got a bunch of, it's just one that I've missed. I I haven't necessarily been avoiding it, but it's just, you know, there's so much content and so many movies and so many shows. I just, I get lost and I, I was thinking about it today. I'm like, damn, I have still not just not seen it. Uh, So I was, I, lucky enough to get to attend a screening of it that happened like two years ago down in Miami or Fort Lauderdale somewhere somewhere like you know I think it was Fort Lauderdale like three hours south of me and it was it was nuts the screening was nuts it was packed (laughs) and they they ate it up so I was like there's a puppet master movie playing on the big screen somewhere we have to go see it (laughs) it's not a it's not a right right you know have that option to go do very often in your lifetime so it's like you have to do it so we went and did it and you know my exactly. I went with a director friend and he loved it I went with my DP he hated it and I was like the middle ground guy where I was like eh, you know it was it was okay <laughs> I didn't love it but I didn't hate <laughs> it it was all right so, right <laughs> yeah it was yeah it's 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 pleasantly middle ground for me so as a fan so wasn't terrible nice, wasn't nice. so well, I tell you what, I will uh, I'll make that part of my agenda tomorrow. I have pretty much an open schedule. I will watch it and get back to you with my thoughts on it. Yeah, let me know, let know what you think. Well, this is going to be the end of the show here. I think we have uh, exhausted about every possible resource I think we can in talking <clears> about <throat> bad channels. Uh, but there's plenty of more Full Moon Entertainment coming your way, and we will be reviewing a lot more full moon films but uh dustin can you tell people a little bit uh about maybe some of your current projects or where people can find you and uh, plug a couple of current things that you have going on before we leave uh yeah i'm i am normally i i mean i i work in film i do a lot of different things i wear a lot of different hats but i'm primarily a a producer so uh i've had goodness gracious Everything feels like weird because we've been in like quarantine and stay at home orders so much lately that like I feel like I'm not living life. So I kind of have to refresh my memory as to <laughs> what's going I know, on. It has been uh, it's been about a weird couple of months, hasn't it? 2020 it, is not it, been kind. Yeah, it it really has. Um, so I mean, overall. Uh, Goodness gracious, this past weekend I had a movie that was an anthology for Southern Psychos Productions that I was a producer on called Horror Nights that actually played at the Ocala Drive-In Theater in Ocala, Florida, uh, the only theater in the country playing new movies uh, that's posting actual box office proceeds to box office mojo. So I had that play in a theater uh, drive-in this past weekend. Yeah, how cool is that, you know? Yeah. Very cool. You know, I have uh, one that I wrote and produced called Jekyll versus Hyde that is um, making its way through post. I have another one that I was uh, a producer on called Inheritance, which is a feature film based on a series of short films I acted in 14 years ago that we made into a feature. That's actually nearing the end of post as well. Um, a werewolf movie I made called Like Animator just yeah. got released. From Wild Eye, yeah, they, that was the one that uh, I just, uh, I just uh, yeah. bought a copy of that myself. I'm waiting for yeah. that one to come in. Anxious uh, that, to see it. Yeah, that came out. Wild Eye will also be releasing another movie that I wrote and produced 
uh, around Halloween this year called Ouija Mummy that I'm very proud of uh, as well. So there's tons of stuff. There's so many things I could I could rattle on for hours. <laughs> so right on, right on. Well, well, we hope to have you back at the show. Uh, you know, we hope to have you back here again. You know, we'll wrap yeah. about uh, full moon movies till the cows come home. Yeah, I'm always down to talk. You say when and what, and I'm there. Alrighty. Well, Dustin, thank you very much for for joining us, folks. I'm your host, Cameron Scott. This has been my co-host, Dustin Humbert. And remember, squids need not apply here.